Jeremiah chapter 1, and, you know, 2020 is ending, and everybody's been talking about how crazy this year has been, you know, and uh, I was talking to my pastor back home, and, and he said, well, at least we tried. <laughs> I, said, I said, how was 2020 for you? And he goes, well, at least we tried. We gave it our best shot, and we were laughing about it. And I just want us to not let 2020 define 2021. Amen? Yeah. You guys listen to me. Don't let 2020 define 2021. Amen. I think 2021 is going to be a different year for us. It, we, could be, it could, we could be faced with some really interesting challenges. But as I was, prepare, I was preparing late last night and this morning, I was thinking about what to share today. And... Um, I just personally have a lot of hope and a lot of peace for 2021. And let's, let's read this chapter, chapter one of Jeremiah and verse 12. And it says this, the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over my word to perform it. And I just want to say, I, I want to let this be my, one of my verses for 2021, that the Lord is watching over his word to perform it for 2021. We've been talking a little bit about the last few weeks about systems, right? When we put our trust in the system. And I think that if, if you're someone that's really put their trust in the system, it's been a hard year for you because the system is failing us. It's broken and it, it can't come through. And I think sometimes when we lived in Philadelphia, um, a lot of times people would come to our church and they'd look at the church as like, like, part of the government where we're just like just a dispenser of resources that people would need like you're supposed to give this to me and they look at the church as another part of the system but when we live and we were defined and we are under the dominion of the system the world system two things are going to always happen number one we're always going to be disappointed and number two we're never going to see the grace of god when it comes. We're never going to see the goodness of God because the system trains us to be expectant on it and not on God. When we think about 2021 and this year that we just finished, um, I think that I think that this year has not only deepened our relationship with God in a, a lot of ways, I think for some of us we're taking some real steps of faith, you know, some real steps of faith you know, the Speedy's moved down here. We're opening up a cafe. We, we've just met so much. So many of you. How many of you have we met in 2021? Like, I know. In 2020. 20, I'm sorry, 20. 2020. Okay? All of you guys. We've met all of you guys in 2020. And this is just so exciting because I feel like there's some great things coming. And the Lord oversees. He looks over his word. He watches his word to perform it. That being said, I want to just talk about preparing to receive from God. So I just want to talk about today is that how we can prepare ourselves to receive from God in 2021. Because if we're living under the system, the system is going to just tell us, um, God can't give you anything. You've got to, you've got to, um, you've got to work it. You've got to work the system, right? You've got to work the system. All right. And if you work the system right, you're going to get what you want. Let's turn to, um, so I just want to say three things, three things first. Number one, God has something prepared for each one of us so individually, so personalized, and so wonderful that we can't even comprehend it. 
right? God has something for you, for the Robert's family, for the Woods family, for the Marquez family, for Russo's family, for the Speedies, for the Pachuricks, you know, for the Moors. I don't know how to say that. Pachuric, right? God, and for the Valle family, God has something so tailored for you this year that you would not able to be you would not be able to compare to to comprehend it. We were driving home last night and you know between Christmas and New Year's my wife and I have like this little tradition to just kind of talk about a little bit about what God did in 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 the year that's ending. And one of the things that we were talking about is is that God always does above and beyond anything that we were expecting. Right? Have you ever shot for something and then God gives it to you and you're like, "Wow, did I shoot so low?" We were shooting so low. I mean, God gives this, you know, he gives this big thing in your life. And because the plan of God is based on his grace. And grace means that God's going to give you something that you and I could never, ever achieve or never, that we could never, ever qualify for. The system says, hey, if you work hard and you achieve, you're going to get some crumbs. But the grace of God says, Prepare, and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to provide something. And this is what I want to talk about. Second thing is, God, is that our, God's people often don't receive what God has personally prepared for us because we're just not properly prepared. We're not properly prepared. And third thing I just want to talk about is how do we prepare to receive from God? How do we prepare to receive from God? Well, let's look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And I want to read verses 3 through 9. And then I want to read verses 13 through 20, right? So Mark chapter 4, and I'm just going to read it out. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Jesus here is telling a parable. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it did not have It had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no roots, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out and yielded no grain. Other seeds fell, in verse 8, into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And then verse 9, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then Jesus explains the parable. The disciples are like, wow, what does that mean? And in verse 13, he begins to describe what that means. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And now he's going to tell us how to understand all the parables. And then he starts talking about hearing. And, if you, and it says in verse 14, the sower sows the word. That in the Greek is logos. It's just the word. It's not rhema, it's not revelation, it's, it is the written word. The sower goes out to sow the word. Verse 15, and those that are, and these are the ones along the path where the word was sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. You know, there's three soils here that is talked about. Three of them that, well, there's four soils. Three of them are dysfunctional, are dysfunctional. They're bad soil. And I think that, you know, when, we, when I read this, I immediately began to think, you know, you just begin to remember when you sowed the word into somebody's life and you just see the devil come in and take it. You know, they just take it. And it's just so sad when that happens. It's so sad. It's so heartbreaking because you're there, you're there sharing truths with someone that 
that you really want to see them get set free, right? And then, and then something comes in and it steals, it steals, it, it, it's neglected, it's rejected, and the word just gets trampled down. In the Bible, the word of God just gets trampled down. You know, without the word, we have no faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God in Romans chapter 10. If we want more faith, it's not more emotion that we need to work up. It's not more energy or more that I got to produce. It's just the word of God and having the right soil. The second soil here is soil that, um, and so like, you know, the first soil is, is like rejecting the word, you know, rejecting the word, just like, nope, that's not for me. I'm going to reject that. And then he goes on to the next soil and he says, and these are sown on rocky ground. The ones that in verse 16, hear the word immediately receive it with joy. And so there's an emotional response. And I think that all of us, and I've done, I've had the first soil and I've had the second soil. The second soil is just an emotional response. Like, hey, you know, that's such a great word. I love that. I mean, what a great message. What a great Bible verse. It's so awesome. And we, and you know, it's like, and we post it on Facebook, or we post it on social media, and we're like posting it. And I've done this myself, you know, and like, and then that's as far as it goes. It goes out on social media, and then that's like, it doesn't go into the heart. You know, it's funny because the heart here, the heart here is, de, is described as soil. You know, when we look at the, the anatomy, the spiritual anatomy of a person, the heart is that part of us that's the soil of the, of the soul. And the condition of the soil of your soul is where the soul tree is growing out of. There's five parts of our soul. And that soul tree is growing out of that soil. And if it's good soil, then it's going to be a healthy tree with good fruit, fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the soil of the soul here, when it's rocky and stony, there's an emotional response. Rocks, you know, like, I don't know if you ever, it's great soil, but then you can't really plant anything in it because there's just stuff in there that needs to be taken out. And sometimes God needs to really address the soil in our soul. He needs to remove stuff. He needs to take stuff out. Stuff that's hard, that's not, that's stuff that can't be broken, and he has to remove it. And then there's a third type of soul, soil here, and this is um, uh, in verse 17. Actually, this is, um, this is really interesting. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. When, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And this describes, this is interesting because... This kind of person can be, and again, like, I don't want to be judgmental, but it, it can be that you see someone just follow God for years, years and years and years, and then something happens, and they're so offended. They're so offended. They're offended, and they can just point at people or the church or this or that, and they just fall away. Tribulation and persecution comes. Hard times come. Maybe 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, you're like maybe even someone who's teaching the Bible or who's a missionary or is really engaged in the kingdom of God and they get offended so much about something, they're just out of the picture. They just say, you know what? I'm done. I don't have any more capacity for it. I don't know if you know anybody like that, but it's very sad when that happens. And the word of God never took deep root. And others are sown in verse 18 among thorns. Those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is the third type of soil that, and I think this is American Christianity. This is America right here. I mean, all of these are just America. But I think number 19, you know, verse 19 really describes, like, the details of our life. You know, just details, just stuff. You know, you wake up, 
And it's like, you got all this stuff to do. You got 14 text messages. You got emails. You got all this stuff. You got people that are already, you've already missed their phone calls. And you're just, and you, you start the day off and you, you're behind the eight ball. And before you know it, we have, we've, we've missed our time to get this, to draw near to God in the morning, to hear from God, to open our Bible and to receive something from God. And the cares of the world, the details of life, sometimes are so pressing, but they're not that important. How many of you have heard of the Eisenhower Matrix as far as time, time management and um, time, what do you call it? Eisenhower Matrix. It's a, it's a square of four boxes. And you have four boxes. And, and this is how I do my schedule now. When something comes up, I plug it into, and the first top left is called, um, it's called um, urgent and important. And that's something that's got to happen right now. You know, this is something that I've planned for. This is something that's important. It's an opportunity. And this is something that I need to get done. The next one is important but not urgent. Okay? And that means it's important, but it does, it's not pressing right now. And I need to schedule this thing. This needs to get scheduled. Okay? Then there's a third lower left box, which is um, not urgent and not important. These are like just distractions. Things that, gotta get, things that are, gotta have to be addressed. It's part of within my sphere of responsibility, but it's not according to my divine goals and it's not according to my divine standards. And it's just something that I either need to delegate or I need to give out to someone. But and here's the thing what happens. This is what happens with the details of life and it steals, our, it steals the word that's inside of us and it's thorny and it chokes it out and it's, and it's something that... Um, it is something that, it, it, that is always, it's a fire of some kind. It's on fire. There's like this fire you got to put out. It's something that you know, like imme- needs immediate attention. It's screaming at you, and it's telling you that it's important. But when you look at it, when you look at it from your, from your divine priorities and your divine schedule, it's not part of that, and it needs to be delegated. This is the point, is that sometimes we feel like that we have to do everything ourselves, and we can't trust God. And we can't wait on God. And then the fourth one is just things that pop up in your radar and you, have to, you just have to schedule. You just have to figure out what is this. What is this? I have, to, I have to figure out the filter. So there's the important and the urgent. There is the important but not urgent. Then there's this, the, the not important and not urgent, but it's really important for somebody else, but it's not something that's important on your schedule or on, on what your values are. And then there's the things that just pop up. We need to define, we need to filter things that are popping up on our radar from the, from the perspective of God's mind. And that, and that really defines, that really tells us, this really keeps our soil right. Verse 20, it says this, but those that are sown on the good soil are ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I'm kind of going quickly through this parable because there's some real important points I want to hear. This word, this word here is so important because it reminds us that when the seed falls on good ground, on soil that's prepared, soil that is broken up, you know, 2020 has been a year where soil has been really broken up, hasn't it? It's just been really broken up. God has really dug deep in some very painful ways. Soil has been turned over. Rocks and things have come up to the surface and God's saying, "I I need to deal with that. It's not who you are. This is not who you are, but I need to remove this from your soul because it's, it's blocking the thing that God wants to do in our life. 
God, God, you know, whenever God moves, and it's, and it's, it's interesting in Acts chapter 1, when they're praying, like, God, move. And we've said this before. God, move. Move on our behalf. I mean, we're, we're being, you know, we're being tested. We're being persecuted. God, do a great thing. And then it, what happens? It says the place is shaken. Whenever we pray for revival, when we pray for God to move, and this is, I think, happening in America. When we pray for that, then, then, then the plow comes. <laughs> we're thinking that God's going to shower blessings on us and flowers and just loveliness. But the plow has to come in and break things up. On Wednesday, on Wednesday nights, we've been doing this marriage, marriage series with Robert and Deb and whoever can join us. And it's fun because it's the plow. The plow is just going deep. You know, it's just like, you know, my wife and I were talking about it yesterday. You know, stuff we're hearing that we got to apply because we're never too old. I mean, I've been married 28 years. We've been married 28 years. And we're still walking through this, you know. It's great. And I think I'd be, I think I'd be, I think I'd have wrong soil to think that my marriage is like perfect and I've arrived and I don't have anything to learn. And I think that that's just a wrong attitude and it's stony soil and it's thorny and there's no fruit. You know, there's no fruit. And soil is so important, but those that are on sown in verse 20 on the good soil are ones who hear the word. And I think this is really the important part here, hearing, just hearing, just hear just hearing. Because I think sometimes when we look at our Christianity, we think, I gotta do more for God. I gotta get out there. I gotta put myself out there. I'm single. I gotta get out there, put my face out there on the on the web and just kind of just start, you know, just get some conversation going. And and it's like we think that somehow we gotta push ourselves out there to make things happen. God's word, this has been my personal meditation all week. God's word is so powerful. You know, God spoke and the worlds were created, all right? God can speak something in your life and something can be created out of nothing, you know? It's like how, I mean, how many times have you and I waited for something to happen in our life and then God just says a word and then it happens and you're like, bang, it's like, here we are, you know? How did it ever happen? It's amazing. How did this ever happen? Because God speaks. And I think that sometimes in God's silence, we get insecure we get wacky in our thinking. We get, we get fearful. We think, okay, God, like I get it. You know, what's going on? I don't hear your voice. Am I in sin? And then we get all subjective, you know. It's funny because when, we, when God is quiet for a moment, when God's quiet in our life, we just start getting subjective. We start looking at ourselves. We start looking at other people. We start looking at our circumstances. Or we try to generate something. All we need to do to have good soil is just hear. Learn how to hear. My pastor said back in the day, he said, most important part of your body spiritually is your ears. And you know something, when you die, when you're dying, when someone dies, I think one of the last senses that goes is hearing, right? Like you lose your sight, you lose, your, you, you lose all your other faculties, but you can still hear. Hearing is so important. When we wake up in the morning, tune your ears to hear from God. Just listen to God, what are you saying this morning? Just be quiet, um, or if, if your morning gets up and it's just a mad rush, make sure you have a moment you can break away and just say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Hearing is so important. And this is how we prepare to receive something from God, to hear, to listen. The word in the Hebrew um, for hearing in the Old Testament is the same word for obedience. You know, for the Christian, shama, S-H-A-M-A-H, obedience means hearing. If we listen with the right attitude, with the right soil, obedience follows. 
I think we live in this, an American culture which is so intentional, right? By the way, the American culture is a culture of immigrants. We were, all of our grandparents or great-grandparents were not from, you know, unless you're an American Indian, you know, we're from other countries. We're, in a, we're a culture of immigrants. Immigrant, <laughs> immigrants, that's a big conversation today. And I don't know where we get that, where we lose it, but, but we are a culture of immigrants. And you know, my great-grandparents came from Denmark. And when they moved here, they, they, sold, they, were, they had a good life in Denmark. They were wealthy. I think they were wealthy from what I know. And they came here and they worked in a wire factory in northern New York, just working in a factory where they made wire brushes. You know, these wire brushes that you're like scraping rust off of like a side of a car. That's what he made, you know. And they worked really hard. And, and I think that the culture, the genetics, the genes that we have as Americans is there's something inside of us. I got to make this happen. I got to get out there. I got to be intentional. I got to work it. I got to make it happen. We got to be careful that this doesn't come into our Christianity because this is not the economy of God. This is the economy of the flesh, where the flesh cannot be quiet. The flesh can't be quiet. It's, the flesh can't be silent in the, in the presence of an almighty, holy God. I think sometimes when we get in the presence of God, um, we're nervous. We feel like we got to read something. We got to do something. We got to say a prayer. We got to project something out there. When was the last time that we got in a room by ourselves, got on our face or got on our knees and just said, God, you know my prayer lists, even before I write them all out. You know everything. You know all my problems, all my difficulties, all the situations, and you know stuff about me that I don't even know about myself. And I just am going to surrender in your presence and I'm going to be quiet for the next 20 minutes. And when, you know, when thoughts come, I'm just going to be still before the Lord. I'm going to have my Bible open. And I'm just going to be quiet before the Lord. And I'm just going to be in reverential worship and reverential fear. Without noise, without white noise or whatever noise we want to call it in the background, just be really quiet or go for a walk. You know, just go out and be somewhere where it's like, where it's not loud. And be quiet because the flesh cannot be quiet and the flesh cannot hear from God. God has nothing to say to our flesh. He just says one thing. He just says, be crucified. It's like, you know, like I think there's so many things that we get so anxious about. Our soil gets so stony and so whacked out because we have these issues in our soul. We feel like in some way that we have to do the sanctificational work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I got to do this myself. I got to, oh my God, I rid myself of this. I got to work on myself. How many times have people said it? You really need to be a little bit more self-aware and you need to work on yourself. How many times have you heard that? That's the gospel of the world. What we hear in the gospel is, is that Christ crucified our flesh. Mm. We are crucified with Christ. The issues of the flesh and the issues of temptation and the crazy mind when it gets crazy has been crucified by Christ in eternity past. Because the cross is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's something he was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. God resolved all of our fleshly issues mm. at the cross. And sometimes we live in this unresolved crises in our life because we don't we don't we just don't listen to God we don't listen to what he did at Calvary and we don't hear we don't hear the the cry of Calvary and we get our soil gets so let me just I want to wrap this up with this how do we how do we hear from God how do we receive from God I think so the first thing is really hearing just hear from God just listen to God and you know how many times have you gone to somebody and I think we need, to get, we need to get godly counsel. We need to hear from people that know from God, that, that, that walk with God, that, you know, that, that 
are someone in your life that you can trust. But also think that we need to hear from God too. Because we need to be, you know, we need to have this like, okay, God, this is, I know what I want to hear. But Lord, what do you want to say about the matter? And then hear from God and listen to God. Listen to what he's saying. Because when we can hear from God, then we are preparing a place for God to uh, deliver something that he has for us. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to wrap it up here in these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And sometime every, every new year, I always wind up in this chapter reading these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's look at verse 9. And it says this, But as is written, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And we've spoken about this verse before, but you know this verse? When you read a verse like that, I don't know what your thought is, but the first thing I think is I, I don't always love God. You know, I don't always love God. So does God have things prepared for me? Because I don't always love God. Eye has not hear, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the imagination of a mind of a of a person. What God has prepared for them, that what condition? Love God, okay. I don't know about you, but I immediately, you know, my religious OCD. I'm immediately thinking, oh my gosh, I don't love God all the time. But if you look at this in the Greek, what the, what this really says in the original language, and I love this, it's in the it's it's a verse. It's a present active participle. What does that mean? It is participating in the love of God. What God has prepared for you and I is something that we experience when we just participate in the love of God. Yeah. It means that God's loving me. I'm loving God with the love he gave me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not loving God with something that I can love God with because there's nothing in me that loves God. It's that my flesh has fallen. The only thing that loves God inside of me is the Holy Spirit. It's Christ in me. You know, And it's like, I, I think it's so important because we begin to participate in the things that God has for us when we participate in the love of God. That means we're just like, God, just love me today. I just, I'm, I'm here laying in green pastures and I just want you to love on me. I want to read how Jesus loved people. I think that the gospels are something that we should very often be in just reading, just reading what Jesus did. Let's not depart from the gospels so quickly. The book of Mark, you know? I think the book of Mark would be good for the Texan mind. You know, because Mark is like short, sweet, action, immediately, suddenly, like these action words. I think in Texas, we, you know, we have those, you know, like the Texans are not really, actually, I don't know how many Texans are in this room. Any Texans in this room? I don't know. What is like, <laughs> and I just think it's like immediately God's acting. And, you know, when we think about the action of the word of God, we just need to agree with it. We need to hear and just agree. And that's how we participate. Say, when you hear the word, just agree. Just agree with it. Say, I agree with that. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't like the way I feel sometimes when I hear the word. But I'm just going to agree with it. Like, God, I agree with that. Okay, God, I agree with that. Okay, that's wrong. You know, that, that's right. Or this is the way. And my emotions are like, you know, they're, they're like, a run, like a un, they're like a, sometimes an untrained child running around with, you know, just creating ruckus. But when we just agree with the word, then we put ourselves in a place to receive something that God has prepared for us. God's prepared. God has, God's year 2021, it's prepared. 
God has gone on before us. I don't know what crazy stuff awaits us in the future. I mean, I don't know. It's just nuts. It's just depending on where you want to read your information, it's really crazy everywhere. But God has prepared something for us, and it's, a, it's something that is good, and it's something that's wonderful. And how do we receive that? We just begin to participate in the love of God. Because most of us tend to base our relationship with God on our performance instead of on his grace. If we've performed well, whatever well is in our opinion, then we expect God to bless us. If we haven't done so well, our expectations are reduced accordingly. In this sense, we live by works rather than by grace. We are saved by grace, but we are living by the, by the sweat of our own performance. Okay? Moreover, we are always challenging ourselves and one another to try harder. How many of we, I mean, I've said that to my son. Try again. Try harder. You can do it. Try harder. We seem to believe, and this is important, that success in the Christian life, however we define success, is basically up to us. Our commitment, our discipline, our zeal, and some help from God along the way. We give lip service to the attitude of what Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what, by, I, am, I, am what I am in 1 Corinthians 15. But our unspoken motto is, God helps those who help themselves. There was, a, there was a poll that was done recently. I mean, I don't know how recent, but there was a poll done, and, and um, people were asked, um, where in the Bible uh, does it, well, God helps those that help themselves. People thought that was a Bible verse, but it's not in the Bible. It's God helps those that cannot help themselves. I want to finish with this. Okay, I know I'm going a little longer than normal, but this is a great illustration of how we receive from God. Back up to the Old Testament, we don't need to go there, but 2 Kings chapter 4, right? 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, verses 1 through 7. A widow, and this is in the time of Elijah, and this is in the time when there was just great, there was famine, there was great need. There, there, was, just, there was just tyranny in government. Uh, there was just um, a lot of just injustice that was happening, a lot of great need. And there's a widow, and if you were a widow, you were in, in the Old Testament, you were really in a, tough place because you didn't have a husband to provide for you. And here's a widow. She had two sons and she had debt. She had a lot of debt. And the debtors were going to come. I mean, the, 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 um, the, the creditors were going to come and they were going to take the two sons and they were going to take them into slavery till her debt was paid off. And she cried out to the prophet Elijah for help. And all that she had was a, smart jo- a small jar of olive oil. In her house, have you been in that place where you've only the only thing you have in your house is just a small jar of olive oil? You know, I've been in places where I didn't have a lot, and and she cries out to the prophet, and and all she had was this jar of olive oil, and you know, olive oil was something very common. It wasn't something very exceptional in the biblical times. It was just something that was very common. But she went, to the, she went to Elijah, and Elijah said, go to all of your neighbors, all of your neighbors, and borrow from them jars, containers. And when you've, when you've borrowed as many uh, containers as you can, bring them to your house and pour out the oil and fill each jar. And when each jar is filled, set it aside. And she did that. She goes in with her two sons, closes the door. And by the way, just a great... If you ever want to have like a great, you know, thing to meditate on is how many times in the Bible it says close the door. 
just shut the door. Because God always works in mighty ways behind shut doors. And she shuts the door and just speaks of concentration and focus on God. And she begins to pour out the oil. And the oil doesn't stop. I mean, it's just this unending supply of oil. And it, she keeps pouring it out. I don't know how many vessels she had there. Little jars, bowls, you know, barrels. I don't know how much. But she had a little thing of, and I, I get in my mind, there's a picture of like just maybe a little jar or a little bottle of olive oil. And she's just pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And the oil would not stop. And then when all the vessels were filled, that's when the, that's when the oil stopped. And the question is, what if she had more what if she had more containers? What if she had more vessels? The oil would keep going. This is how I'm looking at 2021 and the, the next several years that we have here together in, in our church and in this city is that let's grab, let's grab containers. Let's take stuff that people don't see that have any value and bring them and close the door behind us and pour out the oil, which is the Holy Spirit. Just pour out the promises. Pour out the word. And let's gather. And it's like, she didn't have to make the oil flow. She just needed to listen to what the prophet said, and she just needed to act it out. And that's how we participate in the things that God has prepared for us. You know, just because there's great need, it doesn't mean that there's not great provision. I think that in great need and great difficult times, is when we've really seen the hand of God work. Because why? Because we're not trusting the system. We are not, we're not living in this. We are not, we're not putting all of our faith in the system. We know the system's broken. And that's why we're not surprised when the system goes haywire, when it goes crazy. We're just not, we're not surprised. We're like, okay, you know, that's the way it is. And when we, and so I just want to end, end the message like this, that let's grab things, let's borrow things, let's take things that may not seem to be very valuable, that are empty, and let's just let God fill it. Like, let's just take things that, let's just step out in, let's hear from God and take steps of faith in obedience to what we're hearing from God. Let's participate in his love and then present God with an, an empty thing. Say, God, this is empty. This is an empty situation. This is empty. This is broken. This is not working. This is empty. And I'm just, I'm not going to try to make the oil flow. I'm just going to present it to you, Lord, because I know you're going to be faithful to watch over the word that you have spoken, that you will do it. Amen? Amen? And this is 2021. Let's just have some great expectations, not from ourselves, but from God, understanding that we can't do it ourselves. But let's just look at the word and just trust the word. Like, okay, God, your word is so powerful and it's so mighty that you're going to make it, you're going to bring it to pass. And all we have to do is just agree with it. Amen? Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for empty vessels, Lord. And... Sometimes, many times, all the time, there are things that you can't do because the vessel's full. And you've got to pour us out. You've got you to bring us to a point where we just, it seems like we have no more faith. We have no more belief. We have no more trust. But we're just there. We're just in the right place, waiting on you. And that's when God works. And Father, we just thank you, Lord. We want to look to your word. We want to look to your nature. We want to look to the body of Christ. We want to look at the wonderful things you're doing, God, and not look to ourselves because we can participate in the things that you've prepared for us by just being a participator in the love of God, that you love us, that your plans for us are good and they're not evil. And there may be a lot of evil today 
in the world, a lot of brokenness, a lot of craziness. But God, we look to you and we trust you, God, for your plan for our life. Just thank you in Jesus' name. And if you're here,